Welcome, everybody, to That Recruiter Show with me, Rodney Stigall, and... Julieta Bruzzi. Hi, listeners. Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for everyone that tuned in last week in the uh, last couple of episodes. It's been, you know, fantastic uh, with with what we've seen. And, and to be honest with you, I think Julieta and I are kind of surprised that people are listening to us. <laughs> In yeah. a good way. Oh, abs- yes, absolutely. And I've had a, a few um, folks kind of out of my direct network reach out and say, really liking what you're doing, which is it's just such a cool thing. So thank you. And uh, Rodney and I have been kind of brainstorming about some audience engagements. So if you have some ideas, stay tuned. And um, we have that. We have that recruiter show at gmail.com set up if you'd like to contact us or you can do our LinkedIn page and Twitter and, and all that good stuff. But um, more importantly, we have another guest star. We do. Drum roll, please. Michael, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is one of a kind, the recruiter show. Um, well, thank you for having me. My name is Michael de Guzman. Um, so I have been doing this for more than 10 years. I've been in recruiting leadership roles. I've been a recruiter. I love recruiting. I've supported several different industries from pharmacy, fintech, retail, e-commerce, you name it, I've done it. Um, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about everything recruiting. Um, you know, it's a hot topic all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 exciting, I think, where we're heading. We're, you know, there's an evolution happening right now. So I want to be a part of that conversation and happy to share my knowledge. So thank you for having me. Welcome. Welcome. And I do have to add that Michael's got a pretty heavy global background too. I mean, everything from like Eastern Europe to Canada. And yeah, yeah. I think you've done some Asian stuff too, and maybe even South American, Central American. Exactly. Um, to all the Canadians listening, hello, I'm Canadian. <laughs> um, <laughs> moved over to California, loving it. But yeah, I've I've supported and led teams um, across the, you know the globe. I would say, and and really you know fortunate to be able to do that. Um, but you know, my heart is in Canada. I love I love supporting teams in Canada and really being a subject matter expert. So yeah, so That's excited awesome. to have you. Mike, I have Thank to share you. a funny story of, um, you know, Mike, when Michael and I worked together briefly where we were in the corporate environment, we all know how acronyms are so, <laughs> so uh, popular. So everybody's talking about MDG, MDG. And I'm like, what is this business unit that everybody's talking about? And then I realized that it's the Michael DeGuzman MDG. And I mean, literally, I for like two weeks, I'm like, I have not figured out what business this is. And it's driving me crazy. And then finally, I think Monica, who was our guest star last week, was like, that's Michael. It's a person, not a, not a unit. So my little funny I know, I feel anecdote like <laughs> branded the mdg and i've been using mdg a lot i like it i like it, it carries like weight it. it carries weight you know and i think especially in that environment it's almost like you got like fixer status it's like oh well i think we need to talk to mdg yeah right. <laughs> or like a 007 type yeah no it's fantastic and, and i have to say like personally my son he's in he's a freshman in high school he has has this thing where he wants to go to the university of toronto Oh, and I, why not, Rodney? Because it's probably expensive. <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Florida. That's Canada. That's expensive, man. 
So I'm, I'm trying to like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, you know, he may, I may have to have him crash on your couch in four years. Exactly. It's a, it's a very good school. Cool. How old is he, Rodney? He's only 14. Okay. So we can, we can iron that out. Yeah. I, I still have time to flip him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay in the U.S. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I have more years to to worry about that. Um, I know I touched on it before, but my so my stepson, happy birthday, Gavin. He just turned twelve. My son's ten. Um, we uh, my stepdaughter who is nine, and my daughter is seven. So we're like in the weeds. And I just started looking at private schools. So help me God. So Ooh, yeah. uh, that's. <laughs> Apparently, just as big as college yeah. these days. So, yeah. <laughs> so good luck. Uh, I know. <laughs> all right, Rodney, what are we talking about today? Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, it's interesting. It's something we all have to, I think, depending on your perspective, either have to work with or deal with. Right. Um, and I think in our roles in our careers, we've, we've probably seen it from a user to a selection and implementer. And that is technology around talent acquisition. And it's so broad, right? It, it, we're surrounded by it. And whether that's the search technology around how you're acquiring, you know, actually acquiring candidates into the applicant tracking system that, and you're managing your process out through the onboarding system. And it's interesting the amount of vendors that have just completely proliferated in each one of those spaces. Um, you know, as, as an example, I started my career in the late 90s. And when I started, Monster was was the, the big person. And, and, you know, it was called OCC at that point. And they were the only database, really. We still had a huge conference room with all these metal filing cabinets to flip through resumes. And, yeah. you know, the, everybody just said, I'm just going to go find it on OCC. They changed it to, to Mo the Monster board, and then it just became Monster. Um but that was kind of the beginning of my career. But now if you think about it, you could spend an unlimited amount of money on databases. Like there is literally, that's a bottomless oh, yeah. pit for you to run through. Um, Didn't Monster, Monster's still around, mm -hmm. right? They were, I think yeah, they were acquired by Randstad. Was oh, it? were they? I'm fairly certain. But at this point, I mean, would you rather pay for research for a refined list of people or would you rather go get it yourself? I mean, sometimes a database is so unwieldy. Yeah. You know, I think what I have seen is recruiters have really kind of flocked to LinkedIn. <laughs> and, okay. You know, it's like nobody really wants yeah. to go, you know, put in Boolean search strings anymore. They really just want to go to LinkedIn, which is, which is fair because it's, it's a huge resource, but it's got its, its detractors as well. The first one being is that everyone and their mother is looking for the same thing and contacting the same people. Um, Correct. And, and, you know, I think that there, there's beauty in it. And I think there's also, you know, you get hiring managers. We all probably have gotten to the point where hiring managers just kind of go, well, there's a million people in LinkedIn. How come you haven't found anyone? <laughs> and, you know, that starts to test you as uh, your communication skills. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I, true story. I actually was in a meeting that was getting pretty, pretty intense. And a senior executive was like, I looked and there are 3000 people on LinkedIn that have this job profile. And all I'm asking for is 50. And I was like, do you think those 3000 really want to come work for you? 
And I just remember, I was like, oh, I just said that. <laughs> Which is the truth. <laughs> yeah. So I, I put it up, but it, it, it made the point, right? It's like, you know, just because they're there doesn't mean that it's accessible to you. They're interested. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think likewise, when you look at databases, they're massive. And, and again, I think you, anything from Indeed to Monster to Career Builder to the niche sites, whether it's like intelligencecareers.com in the, on the military side, they have their pluses and minuses, but the expense is massive, you know, when you start tacking all those things on and then all the services and you're constantly getting upsold, um, even Indeed, right? So Indeed, you're paying pay-per-click and... I think at one point I was paying like 50 K a year for Indeed, and it was 20% of our hires. You start asking yourself, like, do I need to pay that? You know, why don't I transition everybody and, and drive them to my ATS instead of, of doing this? And I think I converted and, and, you know, that was my epiphany was like, why am I doing this? I could yeah. take a hundred thousand dollars and try and pivot everybody into my personal database. Right. And what do you guys think? One of the things that I always found hard about, you know, the the applicants that you're going through um, from prior roles, like I think about like databases and historical applicant data. A lot of times by the time that you found them, it has aged and you have to cross reference to, OK, what are they doing now? And is this still the relevant role? Like it might have been the relevant role when you found them in the database, but maybe they applied in 2017 and they've, you know, shot up for the last five years. So mm -hmm. I've always felt like there needed to be some kind of, and maybe there is, I don't know. Is there some kind of aggregator that says like, yes, they applied now, but here's everything they've done in the last five years without you having to go and cross-reference to other platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think I've seen it myself too, right? I think when you're looking and reviewing resumes, you would have profiles there that are older and you look in LinkedIn and you're like, wait, but that person's already moved into a director role. But in yeah. our database, there's still a manager, right? So you're missing that experience and that candidate is, um, you know, losing that, that you know, that experience to be on the on the database, right? So I think if there's some sort of integration of in real time, I think that would be, you know, if, if your email is still active, your profile is still active, you make an update on LinkedIn, then it feeds into all the things that maybe it's integrated. I think that would be a good way to make sure that it's relevant and up to date. Yeah, there, there is a tool that, you know, I was starting to get into called Zoom Info Recruiter. And so I think most people think of Zoom yeah. Info as a sales tool, right? But their recruiter tool is pretty neat in the sense that it's not a database. It's still a contact tool, but it's got some neat integrations with LinkedIn. So you can kind of integrate that into your Chrome browser. And as you get results, it integrates to their LinkedIn profile. So you can kind of cross-reference it. Mm -hmm. And because it's a, a contact database, you're, it's not focused on in-mails. You're not kind of stuck in that ecosystem, which I think is one of the, you know, that's super limiting with LinkedIn. So it's actually giving you their email address or phone number. And because ZoomInfo is markets itself as a, as a contact database, they spend a, a huge amount of money making sure that that's up to date and refreshing it. And so it solves that a little bit, but I think it's, it's difficult for people in our industry to wrap their head around it because it doesn't necessarily come with all that information. 
right. it'll, it'll say, you know, MDG is a director, but you don't get to really dig into that. You have to use the integration, which again, I, and then people kind of go, well, why don't I just have LinkedIn? Rodney, I forgot that you were a fan of that. I know you were like trying to get everybody licenses when, when we were all um, colleagues, but the, I mean, I'd be very curious to see how it is iterated because I think I had that extension on my Internet Explorer like 12 years ago when I was first in mm -hmm. executive search. So, I mean, it sounds like the ethos is still the same for the company, but they've added extensions and, and add-ons and all that. Yeah. And, you know, I think it comes down to value a lot for me because, you know, these days LinkedIn is like 10 grand plus for a license. Yeah. They are. And, you know, how many times I, I'd love to get your opinion on this because it like my eyes roll so hard when a salesperson tells me this. All you got to do is make one hire to make it worth it. And I just <laughs> automatically go, oh, <laughs> how many times have you guys heard that? <laughs> yeah, very many. Plenty of times. <laughs> oh That's like the sales pitch. Yeah. Did you ever hear? I mean, cost per hire is so um, elusive to me. Mm -hmm. I never 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. Like we had a, gosh, this was in like 2017, 2018. There was a cost per hire number that floated around my, my former organization that was like, it was like 3,400 for a professional hire and 5,850 for a, for a technical hire. And I'm like, well, how did you even? Yeah. How did you, I don't know how you calculate that, but. Well, I think that's the problem that, A, you can't standardize it because there's no standardized industry way of calculating it. And yeah. most companies aren't mature enough to say, this is what's important to me. This is what I'm going to include in that cost. Um, so I've done it in a way that was com just completely honest. Whether that is the lights, the, the lease that we're paying on the building, you know, all the databases, all the stuff you would think of, any relocation, recruiter time, everything. And it ended up being like 10 grand for a, a professional hire, which to me, if you juxtapose that with the amount of revenue you get off of 10, 10 grand is perfectly fine. But I, I literally had, you know, executives come in and say, we need to get that down to like 500. It's like, ugh. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get it, get it down. And, and, you know, I had them, that was in a, in a centralized environment. They literally seceded from the union for all intents and purposes, right? They're like, well, we don't want anything to do with this centralized model because we need our cost for hire to be $500. And we just weren't going to sign up for it. And we said, you go do that. Go ahead. Yeah. Have fun with your agency. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what they did. And they didn't include it in their cost for hire. And so they they oh. artificially brought it down. That's and cheating. Right. But at the end of it, like, so at the time I was leading the function and, and I was like, okay, this is weird. And I get this bill for $400,000. And I'm like, uh, what is this? And it was that business unit <laughs> that had gone off and done their own thing. And they sent us the bill. I'm like, yeah, you know, you own this one now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, Michael, we've been pretty transparent in prior episodes about kind of our, our job search journey and, and kind of tech on the candidate front. And if you don't mind sharing, too, what's what's your experience been with, I mean, even like ATS or, um, you know, even the tools that you're using for your job search? Yeah, I think 
candidate experience is so critical, you know, and I think we, you know, we talked about it a lot, you know, we measure, you know, our candidate experience scores. And when you're a candidate, it really, the impact is different, right? Like you're thinking like, oh, you know, there's a lot of clicks in this one. This one is easy apply. That one is very relevant to the role and, and what they're asking for. Um, I think you see, you know, a very diverse kind of platform that really, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, it has to be quick. It has to make sense. And it shouldn't be a comprehensive, like 10 pages, you know, 10 clicks of whatever you've already inputted in, in the file or uploaded, you're going to have to retype it all. Right. But I think I've seen that in Workday where you upload something and you have to retype everything because it doesn't capture. Yeah, the parsing is horrible. Yeah. 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 Um, but then you see other platforms where you're like, this is amazing. And I even seen one where you upload a video of why you think it's, you know, this opportunity is great for you and why are you interested? And there's only three questions. It's your first name, your last name, and then upload a resume. That's it. That's neat. That's interesting. It's different. It's different. Yeah. I think the approach is obviously the knockout questions are important, but I think, you know, they're trying to be different. And I think that's appealing to a candidate because you're like, wow, I'm only going to do, you know, a video and they're going to see kind of, you know, what instead of a cover letter and then my resume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So I think there's all these different things right now. But to me, what's important is just experience. Like, if you're building or you're refining your platform, think of it from a candidate perspective. Like, are they going to click a lot or are you going to lose them through the process? Or are they not going to be excited about it? Right. So I think just keeping that in mind. Yeah. Have you seen any differences, you know, in your experience internationally, like between, say, Canada and the U.S.? I mean, is there a different approach in your mind that you've seen or anything, you know, different about it? No, not not. Um, not a whole lot. I think there's a lot of questions in, on the U.S. side around um, just like the around diversity. Mm -hmm. There's also questions around um, work authorization, right? Like I think that is not really prevalent in other countries, I would say. But in the U.S., given that there's a lot of, of um, people that are on work visas and, and all of that, like obviously that's relevant but there's not a whole difference so it's, it's less onerous the visa process going yeah. into canada got it yeah yeah no that's that's super I, interesting oh go ahead juliet i'm sorry i was going i was going back to um what we were talking about with with kind of hiring tools and um there was one in particular that i liked um hired.com and I don't know if you all had been a um, practitioner with that, but it's engaged candidates that want to be recruited. So you kind of take mm. that level out. And they're like folks that are good about using it. I can't remember, but they usually upload like weekly. It's like Tuesdays or Wednesdays is like your new batch of people. And it's a finite talent pool. So you can't give like 40 people a license. But if you have really four or five really tech savvy recruiters they'll go in and you can engage through the tool and i've never really seen one like this that did a great job with kind of the full candidate life cycle like you can do everything 
through the tool down to the offer and the offer accept and the hire. So it really does a good job with engaging mm. throughout the process. Um, and then shout out to the account reps there because they're also very good and less uh, slimy. I don't, I don't know. How to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aggressive. I agree. Yeah, you know, Have you just... heard of Dice by any chance? Oh, gosh. Yeah, not yeah. for years. Not for years. Yeah. I think. I think the cleanup of their of their product did they I think they're, yeah and it was yeah. kind of the same thing right mike right yeah 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 it's the same thing they've done kind of a you know i think to your point like a revamp and it's they're really focused on the experience it's similar to juliet like you get a lot of of new jobs um you know there's also if you're looking for technical roles like you can just filter and then you get that batch mm -hmm. too from a candidate perspective but if you're hiring you'll see the candidate's profile live and active and they can just cool. um you can see the the jobs they've applied to as well like it's pretty intuitive but you know what's interesting to me and this is just an observation i might be wrong but you know if you look at technology in general right just the tech space look at like search tech uh we you know we talked about chat gpt and ai um mm -hmm. something like youtube or or the level that uh, meta is able to to really kind of leverage your behavioral information in advertising. I, I don't think we do that well in talent acquisition because there's a ton of data out there. Um, oh, yeah. If you just look at a resume, right, you can start correlating people in their locations, professions, what have you, in the length of time that they've worked, you know, where people are moving to. And that information's there, but it doesn't feel like it's being harvested and operationalized, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I think that is where recruiters come in naturally, right? We have to filter that manually for the for our employers, but it feels like that's ripe for the technology to take over for us. And, you know, if, if as TA professionals, we can project manage and, and manage relationships versus managing the technology, I, I think we're we're poised to, to kind of step up a little bit, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. <laughs> I guess that's one another one of my dreams. Yeah. I, I, I get those things. <laughs> Your wish list. Yeah. Have y'all ever had a recruiter who is really good at using, like, like Rodney, to your point, like social platforms other than LinkedIn? Not that I consider it a social platform, really, although it seems to ski that way sometimes. But, um, like, I never really got, like, I understand, like, the targeted ads, mm -hmm. Instagram, Facebook, everything, but from a sourcing perspective, that was always an anomaly to me that people could search that way. Did you all have successful recruiters doing that? No, it was always the holy grail. I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Michael? I think it was one of those things where everyone wanted to do it, but no one ever was really successful with it. Yeah, it's like they 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 know that they have all these like different channels and they have different you know avenues to source talent, but it's always a traditional way that works. I find even with the with the recruiters. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know it's. Uh, I remember, you know, we used to go really heavy with Facebook ads and things like that. And, and we would get yeah. attention and, and I'm sure some of that at some point, you know, kind of filtered into applications, but it's just so hard to justify that cost over time because you're spending, right. you know, thousand dollars on an ad here, 500 there, and it adds up. And then you kind of look at it and you go, well, I can't really trace the result. Um, 
And it's, you know, it's, I think it's harder to kind of say, you know, am I hitting the right people here too on those platforms with yeah. my advertising? Um, that's, that's a hard part. And, and to me, I, I, I struggle with that because I'm not a digital native. I'm a 40 something year old dude that grew up with a rotary phone in his house. <laughs> versus you know i think both of you are are 10 times better than me with in that space right when it comes to to kind of a digital online presence i can do it but it's not again i'm not a native to it um so I, i'd love to hear what you guys think because again i think you guys leverage it better than i do it's still rather uncomfortable to me to be honest, like I do it, I put myself out there because I know it's the right thing to do. But the it, it does take me like usually I'll do I'll do like two to three posts a week. And like usually one of them, I'm like, I have an idea and I'm <laughs> running with this. And this is really creative. And I'm super proud of myself. And those those always get a, a good amount of engagement. And then there's the times when it's like, you know, two, three other posts, like it's almost like a test and learn kind of thing where it's like, well, let's see how this one goes and mm -hmm. let's use this picture and let's try this poll, things yeah. like that. But it's like, I, I don't know. I'm still in like test and learn. Sometimes it's fantastic. Like I think my highest reach, um, my highest reach was, um, it was actually like a bit of a rant about ATS. So mm -hmm. relevant. And I had about 200,000 impressions. Wow. So I was like, that's you know, great. Swing big girl. And then the next week I was like, did a, a different thing about pay transparency. And I had like 568 impressions. Just I'm like, well, that's not good. But, <laughs> do you, are you a poster or are you a, I, are you a watcher? Yeah. So I'm really good at posting. I, I feel like I was good at, you know, pre the, you know, the vulnerability side of, of LinkedIn. And what I mean by that <laughs> is, you know, I'm really good at posting about a new role. I'm good at posting that I'm hiring. I'm good at posting or promoting something that we're doing, like an event for, for a company. But when it comes to being vulnerable and really posting and putting yourself out there and really saying like what you feel or what you're thinking or, you know, mm -hmm. it's almost like Twitter, but like on a professional setting, I feel like I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not comfortable at that level. And I, I really, for me, I'm self-conscious probably. I'm also very, um, you know, guarded mm -hmm. um, as opposed to other people where you're just like, here's how I'm feeling. Here's kind of my yeah. frustration. And, and then they get like so many impressions. But to me, it's like, you know, there's a fine line between keeping it still professional versus, you know, using it as like a, a therapy right, <laughs> that you right. can really post. It is hard. And I also feel like being self-employed versus an employer who's like in the limelight that, you know, the, that risk of, Hey, we really did not like what you said. Mm -hmm. And let, it's like, well, a lot of people did, but sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> 200,000 people did like my post. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we're, we're accumulating hours and hours of that, Juliet, just so you know. <laughs> yeah i know My gosh. evidence against us i know now the video i i'm going back to what you said mbg this the video intro like i understand that where they'll see how you interact and your presentation yeah. style how you sound if you know the presence piece but i've seen applications where they just ask you to upload a photo Ooh. and that made me uncomfortable 
Wow. Wow. That is that would make me feel uncomfortable. Right. And I, you know, I don't know if everybody's head is going to the right place, the same place. So I'll just articulate. I, I think you're trying to just see, I mean, see my ethnicity first mm-hmm. and foremost. And, and I, like, I just don't understand what that has to do with the job application. Yeah. Yeah. I think, in a, you know, I, I'm already sub- self-conscious of stuff like that. Like in a world where everybody wants a Brad Pitt, I'm more like a Jeff Goldblum. And, <laughs> so you know what i mean like i'm just like ooh, that would skeeve me out a little bit <laughs> well that's another thing like are they looking for like okay is this i don't know would they come up to me at a, a conference or like i i don't know the whole thing just weirded me out i don't think i would do it uh yeah i'd, I'd probably pass on that too what about you michael you're gonna upload a headshot i, I would feel I would feel uncomfortable. I think I have no problems putting my picture on a resume. I think, you know, I've I've actually done that because it's public on LinkedIn. So I use the same photo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but being, being asked to upload a photo as part of the application process sounds weird to me. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think. One like, of the why? most memorable resumes I ever got in my career. It was really interesting. It was like a full resume. And then behind it, I was like, oh, what's this? It was like a full eight and a half by 11, like model headshot of this woman. I was like, and it wasn't like, just, just like a professional What role are you hiring for? I know. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wait, can I tell, this doesn't really have anything to do with technology, but I was working on a, a, a head of branding role for, it was a telecom major media company. And the final interview was with our COO. And there was a bit of creative to it. And this um, applicant candidate had creative in her background prior. She had a full portfolio. So she thought would be clever and fun and memorable to superimpose the COO's face onto famous movie posters. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 The COO did not like that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Are you kidding me? No. Awful. I was like, wow, that's bold. And I was like, this is either going to go really (laughs) great or really, I, I mean, on back to the future and on, um, and um, uh, Indiana Jones. So like the oh, whip in the air wow. with the headshot. No, it, it did not. No. It did not go in their favor. <laughs> um, that was a rough one. Oh my God. Bad judgment. Oh, I feel so bad. That's so bad. Yeah. yeah. So, so it goes, but that, so they did really well through the interview process and, and that was kind of the, the end clunker. I know we all have like stories about that. The other one that I shared the other day was like an entry level girl that submitted her um resume and instead of doing that she attached her grandmother's coleslaw recipe <laughs> yeah and I'm, out there and I'm like in resume carousel and it's like kind of sideways and like you know old grandma cursive oh, yeah, and, I'm yeah. like, what is this? and i'm looking and i'm like mayonnaise but I'm like, oh my god it's a coleslaw recipe and then i, so I felt bad did and you i was try like it? was it did you try um, the recipe well, i did reach out to her i was like Honey, I know, like, it's your first, like, she was new grad. I know that she was, like, totally just made this mistake. And 
Um, I said, look, I'd, I'd love to consider you if you have a recipe. <laughs> I'd also try the recipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think that's the fun of working with that demographic too. I mean, it, yes, it's like all over the place. Like I remember new grads coming in, and it's like I'm I'm not hip anymore at all. But I can recognize club clothes versus professional clothes, and it was always yes. funny to see people coming into interviews because you know the the idea is you have to dress up, and so they dress up in like their best club outfits, whether that's oh, like a like yeah. A, like a micro mini skirt or, or just like, you know, a shiny metallic shirt or whatever. And I just remember yeah. just thinking like, they don't know any better. Just let it go. <laughs> I had a jacket on the back of my door uh, for a while that I, I won't lie. I lent it out once or twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I said, like, I really want you to do well. <laughs> my jacket. <laughs> There's nothing to me the best. I, you know, I feel like I'm going to date myself, but um, with new grads, it's funny when they would apply, and this is back in the day, and the email that they used would be like Baby Diamond X5925. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. At hotmail.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think that you should maybe change that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe use your name instead of a Baby Diamond. Like, I'm me emailing, like, you got an offer, Baby Diamond. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I did change mine. Mine's mine's now the you know kind of standard Rodney. We have the same one, exactly. and Rodney Seagal. But the um, mine was it's Jules to you. That was my little or Jules <laughs> even two three was my original. So you guys won't believe this like of my, me, but what? in my younger years I was referred to as Hot Rod, and so my my youth <laughs> my uh, previous one at Hotmail was Hot Rod. And, but anyway. Can you imagine using that Rodney as your job application? I would never. Like, oh, Rod. I would never. You know, but it, you know, by the time I got into the professional world, I was like, I can't. You know, I was smart enough to not use that one, but I was. Just yeah. Like, I cringe at myself. I really liked that as your email alias. <laughs> if, you know, when you get to pick your your alias for your hot yeah. rod. Well, in my twenties, uh, there was a duality, right? There was professional me, and then there was right. like after six, you know, let's go to happy hour. There was, you know, so that Do you was, not have duality anymore. No, I'm just me now. You is, you is? I, I, I lost all that energy and all that stuff years ago. Stop. <laughs> oh my gosh, I still have duality. Probably not here, but do you, I do too. Yes. <laughs> I'm, oh my gosh. I'm dad 24 7 now. Wait, Rod, well, I was calling you Rodman. So now I need to hot rod. I'm so hot rod. I'm so, you're so hot rod, rod show. I so messed up t- saying that, didn't I? No, it's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So um, does that mean that now you just have like a beer next to you all the time? Is that why your duality is gone? Or is no, it just? No, <laughs> I am. I am like you know, New Balance wearing ankle socks up to the calves, dad, all the ah, time. Yeah. With the- no, but but you have badass like in you. I know. You do all of your own production. You're a musician. You are a diver. <laughs> I've seen your dive photos. You're getting certified in night diving. Like Brad. that's amazing. Again, Brad. in a world of Brad Pitts, I am Jeff Goldblum. I'll <laughs> I'll come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, I will share. Now, I'll share. I'll tell you what. After this, I will share you like hot rod pictures with you and you'll see the difference. 
Fair. Okay. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> We've gone off the rails, and I love it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So what are we, what were we talking about? Technology, we were right? talking about <laughs> talent technology, and then we went on a, a you know a fun little rant about postings. I, I'll say one of the things I have to compliment LinkedIn on as in search is mm-hmm. I don't know if you all remember they had the hardest time there pre at the beginning of the pandemic there was no distinction of remote and hybrid so everything just united states and like we were we were using them as a vendor and they just they couldn't figure that out so they finally have those three distinction now on-site remote hybrid but then the little things about like when it says like they did not publish a salary but based on like roles geo zone level mm-hmm. it'll give you that salary info and then you also have the very daunting number of total applicants but yeah. um i actually think that stuff is really nice from a application perspective and then that like the heat map of where all the applications are coming yeah. from mm-hmm. i like that yeah it's helpful yeah i mean i i i kind of get on a rant about like the cost and everything of so LinkedIn is not a lot of things, right? But to your point, they have done a phenomenal job of aggregating everybody, right? I mean, yeah. yes, like it or not, like a database is someone who's actively looking. That is not the case with LinkedIn. You just have a shot at everybody. And, yeah, you know, I think we get in trouble. And you probably saw this, both of you. I don't know about you, Michael, but I think we get in trouble as recruiters because we go a little too hard on that. And people may not be looking and, and that probably hurts us, but. Yeah. I I like how they've really evolved and used data. Right. And I actually wanted to ask you both, what do you, what do you think about these new companies that are starting and they're really focused on providing data analytics to the recruiters to share with the business. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, as recruiters and recruiting leaders, you know, obviously, you know, from my experience, we've used, you know, Talent Neuron, we've done Gartner, right? And even Talent Insights to really put together kind of a dashboard or a story that you share with the business. But from my experience, I feel like we're still doing a lot of those manual work because it's not enough what they're sharing. It's very broad. It's very generic. It's not to the point where you want to kind of slice and dice it. But what I've noticed, you know, these days, there's a lot of these startups that are actually providing that data at the level that we need it for us to share with the business. Mm-hmm. And more and more companies are coming up. And and I think that's to me is really exciting because they're now kind of the AI data expert, but also from TA, mm-hmm. they know what we want. Right. So wanted to get your thoughts on that. 100%. I, I think that's like a huge gap in our industry. You know, I think what we do with it is is probably on people like us, right? Because you get different levels of reception, I think, in the business to the data. And and that tests us as leaders, but that data is not always there. And golly, if, if we're not spending so much of our time in the weeds on things, that going off and doing that kind of research is just, it's, it's time prohibitive. It is. And I don't know if there's any kind of like internal dashboard that would ever be a one-stop shop for never. What, exactly. Whenever you try, it's like, whoa, this is blah, blah, yeah. too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
like I, I've done a couple of workday implementations and, and I always kind of laugh when, when people want to go down the road with workday of like, Oh, we need to, we need this report, that report. And I've done it enough to where I'm like, you ain't going to get that. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> They're just incapable or, you know, you mm-hmm. can't just pull it from, from one source. Yeah. Yep. Right. It's never one source. It's always, yeah. But I don't know. Is that the is that the nature of everything in a support function where you have to distill the information that the business needs and build that business acumen to be able to bring whatever they're asking for to the table? Hundred percent. Like, and, and first you got to have the relationship to be able to do it. You know. Yes. So many times, you know, I, I've walked into a department as a leader, and I in my first meeting, the first thing I, I recognize is like, oh, TA has been a service function to these people. Yes. Versus a partner. And, you know, all they want from me are resumes. <laughs> and so they don't want to hear anything else from me other than, yes, I have your resumes. Right. Yep. And I No think, consultation. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if you're in that kind of organization, you're in for a hard time, you know, with data. I had a head of sales once um, that very much was like service function. I felt like I kind of elbowed my way a little, a little bit and... Um, we had a great hire, but it was so funny that this like fundamental misunderstanding of of the TA function, like he was like, oh yeah, you get paid today. And I was like, I get paid every day I work here. <laughs> I was like, I'm right. a full-time colleague of yours. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I think that's I, I, there's a lot of people that think that like we're sales people yeah. or commissioned or, and I, I do, you know, external, I know that there's a lot of commission structure. I've even seen commission structures internally for recruiters, at least in terms of like yeah. their, the bonus potential. But I just thought that was the funniest, like, Hey, congratulations. Mm-hmm. made a good hire. Like, and you get paid. And I was like, <laughs> I get paid every day, man. We're good. <laughs> so Michael, I'm kind of curious because you headed a, an analytics function at a very large employer, right? Yeah. You know, what do you see like the future of that going? I mean, do you think kind of these startups are going to become the norm? Yeah, I think even, you know, for me, I, it's almost like an opportunity for our teams to develop, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's good to, have that extra support from a vendor that really specializes in that function and then they provide everything and you know but i think building that internal function within your team and internal muscle i think is so important because i think right now as much as we say we're data centric our team wants to be data centric it's we just don't have that muscle where we don't know where to go we don't know what to do and even if we feel like we've got everything it's still not enough for the business but i think you know having a support system like a vendor that specializes that to really help partner with us mm-hmm. in partnership with the business i think would really just elevate the way we tell the story the way we produce those dashboards the way we show data so i think it is the norm but it is an opportunity for us to really rethink like internally like how do we build that muscle and how do we equip ourselves so that we're not going after, you know, external vendors every time. Yeah. 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 We get it, you know, it's for us, it's, it, you can get caught up in the tactical day-to-day operation grind in the blink yeah. of a hat. One phone call, 
from an unhappy business leader and you're in the weeds for like a week. Right. And your ability to, to dig out of that, you're on the defensive and you, you know, you lose traction to be able to start thinking about the data sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I think that would be, you know, to have somebody who's got a permanent 30,000 foot level view of it to come in and tap me on the shoulder and, Hey, Juliet, did you see this data come through versus, yeah. Okay. I've got to pull myself out of this into some white space to, to figure this out. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I wanted to add, I think the expectation that we have that recruiters, you know, when they come into these meetings, this intake, that they're also coming in with all this data mm -hmm. there's all this, you know, I think it is sort of impossible when you have, X amount of recs and you're communicating with all these candidates. And then, you know, the expectation is you also come up with a story of like the market and the research, right? On your own. I think that's, you know, that's a lot for someone, right? And I think, you know, having the vendor or having that kind of internal team that really support that really in partnership with the team. And I'm not talking about like, you know, another area where you just like, hey, like I need this data. And then they send you the data and you're like, well, this isn't what I want or what I'm looking mm -hmm. for, right? Like really integrate that within your team, I think would really, really help. And I always gave advice, like funny you say that, you know, going into an intake meeting for, for like newer recruiters, like you said, we do have a ton of information data and our own business acumen that we need to bring right. to the team. Like, I feel like two things that entry-level recruiters are always kind of talking about is like, I don't have the business acumen and I don't have data. And it's like, take take data in a bite-sized form. So I'm talking with my my wonderful hiring manager. We'll just, we'll call him MDG. And MDG <laughs> is a total pain. And he wants to know every update, every other day. And he wants to know the data, everything like that. And you get that like scared feeling was like, oh my God, I don't have a candidate to present today. It's like, that's mm -hmm. okay. Talk about the pipeline. Talk about how many applicants you have, how many days it's right. been open, how many people you've talked to on the phone, the things that you're seeing in the market that are missing. Mm -hmm. You know, MDG, you're you're stingy. You're only paying people, you know, 120,000 and this market is, you know, X, Y, Z. So that's always... Like that's always my advice for newer recruiters where it's like start small and start with the data that is at your fingertips. Like they, even your job posting just has everything right. that you need in yeah. there. And be authentic, right? Don't make excuses. But yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that has saved my bacon more times than, than ever. You know, there's nothing like watching somebody tap dance in a meeting. You're like, oh, they're digging the grave. <laughs> yeah. Nope. It's not gonna work. Yeah, it's the it's the old spinning plates. I mean, you got 15, 20 recs going, mm -hmm. like you know, no hiring manager wants to hear that they've been deprioritized, but um it's yeah, yeah. there's an art to that. Oh my gosh, is there? <laughs> I'm talking I'm talking to two masters of the of the art. <laughs> I just like the cir the spinning plates with the circus music is what comes to my <laughs> That is awesome. Well, I think we probably could have done more on the on the technology front, but it was so having you so fun having you, Michael. Sure. Thank you. It was so great. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is awesome. I love it. I can't wait till we we have you again and uh, hopefully hopefully we didn't scare you off. 
Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Had a blast. Michael is is actually one of my favorite humans on earth. So um anytime I can Likewise. anytime I can talk to Michael, I will I will take that opportunity. And uh, you know, Juliet, it's it's always a pleasure weekly. Always. And so you you I am sorry if we've got amazing nicknames now that we're coming out of this. <laughs> it is MDG. It is <laughs> Hot Rod. Hot Rod that I love so much, but we'll we'll hit the goalpost now. And um, yes, Julietta Bruzzi, but you all can call me Jules if you'd like. And I think that is our segment for That Recruiter Show. <laughs>